From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, mayoral candidate David Martin joins the show. He missed out on the top job in 2020, so why is he running again? Keep listening to hear his reasons and a longer conversation about his priorities for Ipswich should he be successful in 2024. It's Tuesday, April 25, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. April 25 is Anzac Day, a day each year when the last post is played for those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. It means they have done their duty and are now at rest. David Martin was a former councillor in the old Ipswich City Council Division 7, a position he held after winning a by-election in 2017, following Andrew Antonelli being elected as mayor, also in a by-election that same year. All councillors were later sacked by the state government in August 2018. David Martin was a mayoral candidate in 2020 and recently declared his intention to run again for mayor at the March 2024 local government election. I caught up with David Martin this week in Ipswich Central. Thank you for talking with Ipswich today, Dave Martin. My pleasure, Alan. Before we get to talk about your declaration for running for mayor next year, just refresh my memory about your short stint as a divisional councillor after Andrew Antonelli was elected mayor. It was a short stint, all right, wasn't it? So Andrew was elected in August of 2017. There was a by-election call for his previous seat in Division 7, a number of people had asked me if I was going to stand, and I was kind of oh, just thinking, yeah, I'd love to, but wasn't organised at all. And my boss at that stage at work actually said, are you sure, Dave, if you don't have a crack, that you'll live to regret it? So I put my hand up. I was elected in Division 7, so end of October 2017, and as you said, a short while later, May 2018, and at that stage, state government made moves to sack the whole council. I was there from... October till the following August, so 10 months pretty well to the day. Now, during that time, as a councillor, you're obviously feeling your way around the council chamber and how council works. Were you able to achieve anything significant for the division or the city? Absolutely, Alan. I put my hand up and say that if it wasn't for me, council were in the process, as you probably know, they were in the process of leasing the building, the council offices down the bottom of uh, Nicholas Street. So I first got in there people came in trying to sell me things and the CFO and the Q4 planning came in and said this is you know best for the city that we lease this because if we lease it they said people will see how much council pays and that would then encourage other business and I said well how much is it going to cost and they didn't know the figures and it just seemed like a bit of a flawed model I said well how long is the lease and they said 10 years they said after that we have another five and I said well what happens after 10 if they decide to put the rent up they said oh we'll go elsewhere and I said well where would we actually go to house 600 staff and they kind of said oh, oh they wouldn't do that 
So from that, we got independent auditors in. I went and saw Gary Keller, who was the acting CEO. I also saw Wayne Wendt, who's an accountant, deputy mayor, and spoke with Andrew and said, look, doesn't stack up to me. I own my house. Said, you guys own your house. We're in the process of uh, buying your house. Why would we sell what we already have and have a burden for council forever? So they got independent auditors in. And, well, funnily enough, or sadly enough, it was going to be cheaper. It was just over $6 million a year to lease the property, but to purchase it and to actually own it outright was just under $6 million. So in actual fact, it saved money, went to a council vote, and, yeah, well, the rest is history. So now we actually own our building or we're in the process of owning it. So if it wasn't for me, I dare say, yeah, hand on heart, we would be at the moment we'd be leasing that building in the bottom of the mall. Well, it's funny you should raise that. I had that as one of my questions further into our chat. And I don't think it's common knowledge that under the Pasali administration, the building was going to be leased and not owned by council. So that, that change of regime and your input, the council now owns the building, which makes a lot of sense, and the public space. Now, the commercial property that surrounds that, if you're successful in becoming mayor, what do you want to see happen to that commercial property, including Murphy's Hotel? Sadly, Alan, the current council's done some things that I just don't think should happen. I don't believe council should be property developers. I think it's an absolute waste of money what they're doing, I really do. They were caught carrying the can on that. So, but what would you do if you become mayor? They weren't caught carrying the can at all, quite the contrary. They had the opportunity to sell off where they're now refurbing cinemas at a great cost allegedly $15 million, they could have sold that off to a developer to actually put in high-rise living, which I believe we need in SCBD if it's going to survive. Murphy's Pub also, they inherited that, yeah, absolutely, from council. However, they have overspent, and that should have been, again, sold off. I don't believe council should own a commercial pub. They should have sold that off to a developer, much like James Long. He bought the old TAFE College, as you know. He developed Pump Yard. He put his own money in. He did that. He did his figures. He did that by himself. I don't believe council should be putting ratepayer money into buildings, and then both of those are going to be leased out to multinational companies, and I just think that's wrong. Uh, people have speculated about Riverlink coming in and taking business off the CBD and people saying, oh, well, they're getting their own back now having cinemas there. But sadly, Limelight aren't doing that well as a set of cinemas only a couple hundred metres away. So to put another set of cinemas on the block, it's not like you're going to attract any extra people. You're just going to dilute the small number of people that go to movies. Sadly, since COVID, movies across the country, I dare say the world, have taken a bit of a hit. Uh, so many people now have streaming services. Movies go straight to Netflix, Disney Channel, Prime. People just don't go to movies anymore. So sadly, it's a flawed model. So what would I do? I'd be trying to do what I could to increase high-rise living in our city. As you know, the only building we have there at the moment is Aspire. I'd also be trying to attract events to our city such that a commercial operator would see the viability of having units in there that are actually for rent you know holiday letting uh, when we have events like potentially supercars cmc just different events we have in a city that people see a need to actually stay in the city in 2020 you were one of seven candidates for mayor you came second with just under 24 percent of the vote 22,800 odd votes uh, Teresa harding 39 and a half thousand votes roughly what is driving you to run again I love this city, Alan. I've got a passion for this place, born and bred here, and I'm just disappointed in seeing what's not happening in our city. 
I just sadly see a lack of vision. I believe council should be the head, not the tail. I believe that council should be driving things. As you well know, in 2032, South East Queensland is hosting the Olympic Games. I'm going to start calling it the South East Queensland Acceptive Switch Olympic Games. We're not getting a brass razoo. We haven't even got a game of table tennis scheduled in our city. We just missed out big time. So nothing at um, Springfield Central there? Zero. There was speculation they were going to have the pentathlon, and the pentathlon is looking very much like it will not go ahead. The state government announced last week that the local government election will actually come forward two weeks to March 16, 2024. Do you think you've announced your intentions too soon? No, I don't believe so. I think, um, well, potentially I'd like to think that coming out early, potentially it would make a smaller field. As you probably know, incumbency counts for a lot in local council. So the more people that put their hand up, the harder it would be to... uh, I dare say topple the mayor. So I'd like to see a change. I'd like to see, as I said, some vision for our city. The NRL have also announced that by 2032 there will be 20 NRL teams. At the moment there are 17. We had a pretty disappointing bid that was trumped by Redcliffe. Redcliffe are going gangbusters in the NRL, but by 2032, so only nine years away, there'll be three potential new teams. If we don't get a gong in there, we're not going to get a look in at all. And again, council should be out driving that council should be you know shouting from the pulpit shouting from the rooftops state government just allocated only last month 54 million dollars to rockhampton to upgrade the facilities at brown park their footy stadium they don't have a nrl team either our north ipswich reserve is desperately in need of an upgrade and we get nothing we hear crickets jim chalmers has just announced up to a billion dollars for an indoor sport facility down in logan And funnily enough, there's nine indoor sporting facilities which could be used for basketball, netball, volleyball, a host of other sports, indoor hockey, indoor soccer, with 8,000 seating, potentially costing up to a billion dollars. They do not even have land allocated. We have land allocated for our stadium. And again, I'm just hearing nothing. How do you view political party members running as independents in council? Because it's clear that any party membership comes with strings attached. And by that, I mean other party members seeking to influence councillors in their decision-making or just causing general mischief and mayhem behind the scenes. Have you ever been a member of a political party? I've never been a member of a political party, Alan. For the reasons you've outlined, I don't think that local councillors should be involved in political party. I believe you should be able to work with whoever the members are. It just so happens that our four state members and two federal at the moment are ALP. However, I'd like to think that if you are independent, you can work with them, as you said, with no strings attached. So you can actually challenge local members. You can work with them to see better outcomes for our city. You're quite right. There are a number of um, candidates or potential candidates that are aligned to a particular party, and that's up for them whether they choose to declare that as a conflict or not. Uh, I've never been involved in a party. I have friends in well, all spectrums of parties, and funny enough, I have been invited to join the ALP and also the LNP, and I've chosen not to, so I believe I'm 100% independent. How then would you describe your views? Are you left-leaning, right-leaning? Where do you sit? Well, how would you say, Alan? I believe I'm what you would call a swinging voter, so I've voted for both sides of politics. I've voted for left, and I've also voted for right. I handed out for Sean Chope. Uh, once, what was that, about 10 years ago when he was beaten by Jim Madden and in the last election I handed out for Shane Newman. So they're the only two times I've handed out for federal or state government and both times one was left and one was right.
So. Let's talk about a couple of specific issues, and I think you've touched on them already, but uh, I'll roll a couple of these out. Uh, do you think new residents in Ripley Valley and, and the Springfield suburbs have any affinity with old Ipswich suburbs like Ipswich Central? Sadly, no, and there's nothing to bring them in here to have any affinity with CBD. Our CBD, again, getting back to vision, just seems to be devoid of vision. What have we got? We've got a a couple of franchise stores. We've got a fingernail shop. We've got a franchise coffee shop. We have a franchise Zambreros, a franchise ice cream place that you can get in any shopping centre. So sadly, there's nothing to bring people into the CBD, to bring people into the mall. How would you go about fixing that? Oh, I'd like to see our river celebrated rather than back turned on it. And I've got some vision and plans to see the old woolen mills restored and see something happen. I'd like that to be our arts precinct. Talking of the woolen mills, information that I've had come my way is it's beyond repair and it would cost millions to do anything with it. I, as a construction teacher, right, love my job and I know that I'm also chairperson of the local youth service and we have a number of programs including Get Set for Works. I'd like to think that we could engage some unemployed young people to work with those, to come out with some skills, potentially get Cert 2, Cert 3s, to be able to get some things happen over there. So my understanding is there's a lot of asbestos, so that would potentially cost money however there are grants available to get that sort of thing sorted. The proposed Ipswich Central to Springfield Central rail line it's been talked about now for a long time how important is it and how soon should it happen? Well it's very important Al so it's important for connectivity at the moment Springfield's seen as a destination if the line continued through to Ipswich then that would mean that you know you could get off anywhere I'd like to see events again at our stadium like if we do get an NRL team if we do have events over at the Woolen Mills if we have things like that concerts we have the Ipswich showgrounds people would be able to catch a train there I was the one that actually started the Ipswich to Springfield because when Greg Chamello was there, he called it the Springfield-Ipswich line. I said, my big concern is it'll go from Springfield to Ripley and we'll stop. I said, we need to have it starting in Ipswich. So he changed the diatribe to Ipswich to Springfield as well. Lack of major investment by the state and federal governments. You highlighted, uh, we used the term crickets just a little while ago. There's a couple of projects that have also been on the back burner for a long time, specifically the Cunningham Highway at Amberley another bridge across the Bremer River at Norman Street. Are they the two priorities you see or are there other priorities? In terms of infrastructure, yeah, very much so. Also the interchange out there at Tivoli, at Caroline, it's also a nightmare and a debacle and that's been happening for a number of years. So in terms of infrastructure, those highways certainly need upgrades. I'd also like to see the Cunningham Highway upgraded all the way out to Willowbank. I'd love to see that facility. Funny enough, I was talking to Tony Quinn the other day, who's a new owner out of Queensland Raceways. He wants to bring supercars back. So again, what a bond bonus thing for our city. I'd be bending over backwards to help Tony Quinn to see what he could do to facilitate that to happen again. And I believe that should be a four-lane road out there, Champion Way. That should be like the premier. I'd love to see the premier racing district in our nation and I just think a couple of dollars there would certainly wouldn't go astray and state and federal government need to chip in some money to get that highway upgraded. If you're successful next March can you name your top priorities in the first 100 days? First 100 days well I'd have to get abreast with everything so I'd obviously be trying to get up to speed as you know it's a little bit hard on the sidelines to know exactly what's happening what projects have been engaged and whatnot however I have said to our federal and state members what I'd like to see is council sit down with our federal and state colleagues at least every couple of months. Me or us as a 
council, councillors and myself, coming up with a plan with what we'd like to see, going to state and federal government and asking, well, what do we need to do to be able to enhance your ability to get that to happen for us? For example, business case, business plans, we need for the Norman Street Bridge, whatever it is, whatever it takes, and Ipswich City Council is going to do all it can, so we lay things in their lap so that we cannot get the diatribe that, oh, well, you don't have a business case, you haven't got a business plan, that everything's ready to go. And even in terms of shovel-ready projects, like you know that from different times, state or federal government will have money that's available for shovel-ready projects, and council seems to lag on that as well. So I'd love to see our river sorted out. I've already spoken to Shane Newman about the PFAS. There's another sign just being erected down the bottom of Mars and Parade, which I find pretty disappointing by virtue of the fact that if that was uh, Rio Tinto, BHP, they were putting pollutants into the river, they'd have a massive fine, they'd have millions of dollar lawsuit to tidy that up. Because it's state and federal government, it seems that they just have washed their hands of it and put up a sign to say, hey, don't swim here, don't eat the fish. Well, guess what, Alan? That's not good enough. Moreton Bay Regional Council wants to change its name to Moreton Bay City Council for a very good reason that they've put forward, and that is the boffins in Canberra picture it as being a long way away and not that important from the, the Brisbane city. I think Ipswich City also suffers a bit of a location identity crisis with those decision makers. Are we regional or are we provincial or are we metropolitan? How do you see Ipswich? You're quite right on that, Alan. Like Ipswich is a city that's so often been almost, I dare say in some ways it's possibly part of the problem of our city. We were tipped I'm not sure if you know, but we were supposed to be the capital of Queensland and we almost got there. Then ever since then, Ipswich has somewhat been chasing their tail. We're possibly just a little bit close to have established a, a true CBD in terms of shopping precinct because people have tended to go to Indrapilly or go down to Brisbane. So we need to see that change. We need to have a reason to be our own independent city. We just need, like I said, Alan, we need to have reasons to bring people into the city. Like, I love this place, like sitting out here. I love looking out at St Mary's Church. I look out at the railway workshops. My dad worked there. Three and a half thousand people once worked there. And it breaks my heart in so many ways to see so much industry has left this city and people are reliant on welfare instead of reliant on, yeah, jobs and industry like they used to. So I'd love to be able to attract industry back into our city to see young people grow up with potential to stay in our city because there's jobs, there's future, future pathway to raise their families. I'd also love to see our parks and sporting facilities enhanced. It's pretty sad. I was down at Ripley the other day and their numbers of soccer have been capped because they don't have enough fields. Swiss rugby league team, a hundred year old club, is trying to get a home. They don't have a home at the moment. They're homeless. Uh, Springfield United Soccer, they've also had their numbers capped. Ipswich Basketball, they're going ahead gangbusters. Right, they only have three courts where they are down there at Bundamba, and they now play over five venues to try to get all their competition running. So we just need to see some better facilities for our sport, you know. So, yeah, so much potential in this place. But you're quite right, we potentially are a little bit too close to Brisbane for different things. And I was talking to Brady, he's from Basketball the other day, and he said Ipswich will no longer be able to host state carnivals because we can't facilitate with just three courts. So we need to have facilities again so we are independent of Brisbane. That's all part of the growing pains of Ipswich. Oh, absolutely. Even, I'm not sure if you're totally savvy with Limestone Park, but that's our premier athletics centre for Ipswich. We have uh, world champions. So we've got a young fellow called 
Jude Thomas. He's the current Australian 3,000-metre champion. He's won back-to-back. We've got a fellow called Gautgaard who's 15, and he just set the new Australian under-18 record, and he's only 15. And they train on grass. And as Vic Pascoe, long-time stalwart of Ipswich District Athletics, he said that we possess the only cross-country 400-metre track in the country because of the undulating nature of it. We don't have a tartan track in our city. So we need to see some things change, Alan. Dave Martin, thanks for taking the time to speak with Ipswich today. Oh, absolute pleasure, Alan. Thanks so much for your time. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. Or play Ipswich Today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.